Hello, everyone. Welcome to Agile Canada's video podcast. This is the first time we are doing something like this, and we're happy to welcome you to the table with us as we discuss some of Agile's projects. Since this is our first time, I'd like us to go around the table and introduce ourselves. You're familiar with our voices, but maybe this is the first time you're seeing our faces. So I'd like to begin with Kayla. Mm-hmm. So my name is Kayla, Kayla Casey. Um, I am the social media and website coordinator. You seem so unsure about that. I always forget. It's really, it's quite a mouthful, so I always have to like think about it. So, and I work for Sharmila in the Supporter Relations Department. Uh, my name is Sonia Fraser. I'm the Stewardship Coordinator at ADRA. And I'm Michael Kirkby. I'm the Design and Communications Coordinator at ADRA. And I'm Heather Gerbic. I used to be more regularly on this podcast when it was just a podcast. Then I went on mat leave and now I'm back, but part-time. But I'm really happy to be back because I've missed doing this with you guys. And we want to welcome you back. Thank you. It's nice to have you back on the podcast. It's it's a little nerve-wracking doing this in front of a camera, but... (laughs) (laughs) So we're here today to talk to Michael, who just recently came back from Thailand visiting many different projects we have going on there. So tell us a little bit about what you saw there. Yeah, so when I was in Thailand, I visited four projects. I uh, first went, flew into Chiang Mai and then drove about five hours to the border uh, with Myanmar to visit some refugee projects there. Um, And then after spending some time there, drove eight hours up to Chiang Rai where I visited our Keep Girls Safe project. Then another hour, hour and a half north from there, uh, northeast of there, to Mai Chan province to visit a stateless project. Then flew to Bangkok to visit an urban refugee project. So I saw lots of lots of projects in what was uh, just uh, just about just shy of two weeks. So pick one of those projects, I guess, and tell us a little bit about what's happening there and why Adra's working there. All right. So I'll start with the first one. Um, the The first uh, project that I visited was um, a project with uh, Karen refugees um, in Myanmar. Uh, it is a remote refugee camp. There's a number of them. The specific camp that I visited was called the Mela Camp. Uh, it's built into the jungle in the mountains right on the border with Myanmar. And the people living in the camp, the camp that I was at had 40,000 people living in it. It's a settlement. So there's people that have been living there their whole lives. But then there's also people that are still coming in because it's kind of established itself as an education hub. And so there's still people living in Myanmar that are in remote places that have been ravaged by uh, the civil war that happened there. And so the infrastructure isn't very good. And so some of them will actually come to the camp so that they can get an education at the camp and then choose to go home back to Myanmar. Others have been living in the camp their whole lives and it's their home. So it's it's a it's a mix that you get there. There's some new people, there's some some older people that have been there for a, a while. There's children that have been born in the camp. There's teachers that have been born in the camp and have returned to continue teaching. So, um, sorry, when you say camp, I think of tents, I think of yeah, a lot of temporary structures and infrastructure, but this sounds more like it would look and feel like a village. It it does look and feel like a village. All of the buildings are like there's nothing super permanent about them. So all of the buildings are made out of stick or bamboo that have been put together so that uh, 
they have habitable places. Even the schools and stuff are very makeshift. What is ADRA doing in this uh, settlement? So ADRA has been doing education. There's a number of schools that ADRA has been assigned. They are providing books. They are helping train teachers. And they're also doing some improvements to the school to just make the, the education more accessible to students. Uh, and then the other thing is technical education for adults that want skills in some way so that they can have an income when they either choose to leave the camp or even within the camp. Did you see any examples? Of yeah, that? so the four things that we're working on, we were doing uh, cooking classes, the cooking slash baking classes. We're doing hairdressing. We are doing motorcycle repair and sewing, needlework, stuff like that. But the hairdressing one, it was like along one wall was a bunch of mirrors with mm -hmm. like the salon chairs. They also had a section where you could like get your hair washed. They had like perm stations and hair drying stations. Uh, and then the motorcycle one, they had uh, motorcycle parts and engines and stuff so they could work mm -hmm. on them. They had like the electrical system. And the same thing with uh, the sewing. They had mm -hmm. sewing machines set up. Did yeah. you talk to anyone who took these classes and did they find it made a difference for them? I, I did, yeah. So I was able to talk to a few of the students that had taken it. Um, a few students that had just graduated and were excited to now take their training. And so ADRA has been working with both the Thai government and the Myanmar government. Mm -hmm to get these people certification. Mm. So what they can do once they're done this training is they can, if they choose, go back to Myanmar and continue more vocational training at a school there. Mm -hmm. And then that would help enable them to become fully licensed. Um, there's other options within Thailand as well. I was able to meet a lady who had set up her own hair salon within the camp. Mm -hmm. Uh, which was really, she had started it just a few weeks before I got there. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, she was doing somebody's hair. And so it was, it was just really cool. I met a guy that uh, had started his own motorcycle repair shop. And he'd been doing it now for almost five years. Wow. wow. And yeah, he, he was doing fairly well for himself within the camp. Um, and then um, I had lunch at a restaurant that was set up by one of the graduates of the program. That's oh, really cool. Talk about like empowering people where they are, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah and powerful. so, yeah, and the food was good. It was yeah. really good food. Um, it was uh, like a Burmese style meal, um, mm. which was, it was delicious. Um, and then they also have a little bakery within their restaurant. And at first I was like, oh, <laughs> a bakery, a bakery in a refugee camp. Like this would be interesting to see how it is. And yeah. uh, one of the address staff, the program uh, staff, his name was Elvis. Uh, he's the director of the programs for that camp. Uh, two of his kids were having birthdays. And so he ordered cakes for his, oh, his kids. Wow. And so he put in the order. The next day we came back and they had these cakes. Wow. And Honestly, they could have bought them at a store and I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. They were so well done. That's like amazing. they were perfect cakes. And they were exactly what he asked for. He had asked for one that was like a Pac-Man cake. Mm -hmm. And another one was a, <laughs> was a, what is a Sophia the First cake. And they were just perfect. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so it was, I was really impressed with just the, the ingenuity with the drive of these people. I just want to say I really appreciate what you said, you know, the drive of these people to do something for, for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I love that so much of Adra's work is assisting people to assist themselves yes. and to come to a point where they don't need us anymore. You know, they, the saying goes, you work yourself out of a job and obviously we'll always need to be helping people until Jesus comes. That's our duty. Mm -hmm. But the ones that we have helped, that they can stand on their own two feet, that's mm -hmm. something I am so grateful for and, and really proud of. And mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, too, those people, 
before they took those vocational trainings, what were their options in the camp for income? Not much. The, there's not really much you can do within mm -hmm. the camp. The, the people that I talked to, they had nothing. It, some of them will leave the camp and work in farms, but this cons consider that this, this camp is very remote. Mm -hmm. It's in the jungle. So there's not really any farms like mm -hmm. rice farms that they can work at. So this gave them something that they can work within the camp and work with people within the camp. Mm -hmm. um, or if they choose, they can return home. Mm -hmm. um, it, it gives them the skills so that they can better their lives, whether they choose to stay in the camp or whether they choose yeah. to leave the camp. That's wonderful. Cause you can take those wherever you go. Yeah. yeah. From there, I drove it was about eight hours up to Chiang Rai, mm -hmm. um, which is where our Keep Girl Safe shelter is. And I was able to spend the weekend with Cape, Keep Girl Safe. So what, what is this shelter, just in case some of our viewers or listeners aren't familiar with it? So the Keep Girl Safe shelter, it is, well, a shelter um, for girls. These yeah. girls are at risk, um, whether it be uh, child marriage, whether it be trafficking, whether it be you name it, mm -hmm. they, they're at risk of, of something that will be a detriment to their life. Mm -hmm. And so this shelter gives them a safe place to live. It gives them meals. It gives them a place to sleep. It gives them qualified staff to work mm -hmm. with them. Um, Do they also have access to education there? They, so the, it's basically a place for them to live. Okay. And from there, they can go to mm -hmm. the nearby schools. Mm -hmm. And so they, they use this as a place to stay and study. Uh, but then they have schools that they go to nearby. So there's girls there that are as young as 10, 11 years old, all the way up to 18 as they graduate, and then they go to university. And uh, how long has the shelter been about? The, the shelter's been around since the early 2000s. Um, while I was there, right now there's probably about 30 girls, I think. there. Okay. They all come from varying backgrounds. I met one girl who was an orphan, and mm. so she was at risk of mm. who knows what. There was another girl whose mother had joined a cult and oh was trying to drag her into the woods to live with this cult leader to be his harem. And her father said, no, you're going to keep girls mm -hmm. safe. And so they all come from a variety of different stories, mm -hmm. a yeah. variety of different backgrounds. Um, but they now have a safe place and they can continue and do schooling. And I was able to also talk to a few that had already graduated and were now in university that just happened to be visiting because mm. they have friends oh. there still. Oh, nice. And so I was able to talk to them and, and just see what they're, and they all have their dreams. They all, mm. and all of them said, if I wasn't here, I would, I would be married. Mm -hmm. I would be working in the field. Mm -hmm. I would be, you name it. And mm -hmm. now they're going to university to be professional translators. They're going to university to study mathematics and get into business administration. Wow. So they, they've got, they've got a future now. Mm -hmm. Whereas before it was kind of a dead end. As soon mm -hmm. as they turned, there was one, it was in their culture. When she turned 13, she was to be married. She went to the shelter when she was 12. So mm -hmm. it was closed, but, mm -hmm. and now she's about to go to university. So how is Adra assisting the shelter? What's uh, Adra doing there? Adra assists the shelter financially. Mm -hmm. um, we provide staff at the shelter as well, um, as well as supplies within the shelter. Mm -hmm. So this is, it's a completely Adra run shelter. Mm -hmm. There was one girl that I talked to who, uh, the girl whose mom had joined the cult, her right. father had, um, had sent her there mm -hmm. and she said that she hated it when she showed up. Mm -hmm. Oh. She, she said it was horrible um, because it was so different and she was she really wanted to go home and her father said, give it one week. Mm. And she's been there for seven years now and she just loves it. Mm -hmm. She says she has the best friends there. She has she's well, she's almost about to graduate. Mm -hmm. She's got plans to go to university 
Adra, she was also stateless, mm-hmm. which is the next project I, w- I visited. Um, so she's stateless, and I'll get into more details on what that means. Um, and Adra's now working with her to rectify that situation. So mm-hmm. there's so many advantages to going mm-hmm. to this shelter. Mm-hmm. And like what you were just saying about Adra helping her in that situation as being like someone who is stateless, sometimes it's hard to explain to people how many layers there are to just one project. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. You may just think it's education, but it's so much more than education. Mm-hmm. It's so much more than just a shelter. Mm-hmm. And so I can't wait to hear what you have to say about the whole stateless project yeah. as well. Yeah, so our stateless project, it's uh, up in northern uh, northeastern Thailand. Um, okay. It's a part of, the, of Southeast Asia called the Golden Triangle. So it's where Thailand, Laos, and Myanmar come together at a point mm-hmm. on the uh, Mekong River. And because of its proximity to these two other countries in Thailand, there are a lot of people that are stateless. And Mm -hmm. so what that means is either they immigrated and have no paperwork or they were born in Thailand and somewhere along the lines, the paperwork was never filed to register their birth. Hmm. And so they do not belong to the country that they were born into. Or it sounds like to any country. Or to yeah. any country. Yeah, they, Even they, if they have, ethnically they're yeah. something else, they, they still can't. don't have papers there either. Yeah, they have no paperwork. So they wow. technically don't exist. Wow. But also we need our paperwork for everything, like for healthcare, exactly. for protection, yeah. for so driver's licenses, property, property. yeah, everything. everything, everything you, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was able to talk to a number of people ranging from elementary school students through to a 68-year-old woman who were born in Thailand but have no proof that they were born in Thailand. Mm -hmm. So there was no birth certificate. Mm -hmm. There's nothing proving that they were born in Thailand. And so what ADRA is doing to work with them is they will find um, any sort of paperwork that says that they existed here or were born here. If they can't find that, then they go to the community that they say they were born and they talk to the village elder or they find the village elder that was there when the, they were supposedly born. Hopefully the they, elder's still around. Yeah. And yeah. so they, they have to track down like the midwife that gave birth to them. So it's quite the process. And yeah. these people then have to agree to travel to a district office and testify saying, yes, this person was born in this village because I remember their parents. And so this is, it's pr- quite the process. Then there's there's the other people who have went through this process, but their siblings haven't. And so their siblings have no citizenship, but they have citizenship. And so mm-hmm. ADRA is working with the people that don't have citizenship to do t- DNA tests on the people that have the oh. citizenship so they can fast track their mem- their, oh, their citizenship. Okay. Wow. So there's, there's two routes that they can take. Both of them are extremely complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So much so that everyone that I talked to said that if they didn't have ADRA helping them, there's no way they would have ever got their citizenship Mm. so yeah it's it's just crazy to think because you know you're born here in canada or the united states or saint vincent and the grenadines (laughs) and and you're registered and you are a citizen of that country to think that you could be born in a country but not belong to that country or any country Mm. it's just it's a very like talking to these people you feel hopeless for them Mm. i talked to a 68 year old woman who yeah she's 68 years old and she has had no citizenship she ended up developing diabetes complications of diabetes she had to have her leg amputated oh my goodness and because she's stateless she was responsible for paying all of it to, Mm -hmm. to have her leg amputated and 
and now she's 68. She can't work. Her husband can't work. And so when I met her, she was living in basically a lean-to at the back of a community center exposed to the elements. And she was like, if I had my Thai citizenship, mm-hmm. then I could... I I could I could have a pension I could have my medical expenses taken care of I could have a disability pension I could I could live a life Mm -hmm. um but it's just not in the cards for her but Adra has been working with her and I found out four days after getting back from my trip that she got her citizenship Good. So, I feel like we should have a party. Right? I know. I was so happy for her. <laughs> the so. best retirement for yeah, her. So. And these, this is going to be an item in our gift catalog this year. Yes, I this understand. is an item in our gift catalog this wow. year. So it's, um, it's, it's just, such and, an important thing that yeah, a lot of yeah. people don't think of because mm-hmm. how can you be stateless if you were born in that yeah, country? Yeah. But it happens. To so that, Well, Mai Chan province, which is a tiny province mm-hmm. or a tiny district. It's not even a province. Mm-hmm. They said the estimate they think just within that district are ten thousand stateless, stateless people. people. Wow! Yeah. And Adra has actually been doing such a good job that now everybody is coming to Adra to get oh, their citizenship. Yeah. So Adra's really busy there right now. It sounds so. like that. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of work yeah. <laughs> just yes. for one yes. person. Right. Then. So it's it's uh, fantastic. It, but it's great to see how people's lives can change. Yes. So oh, I was just gonna say your last project that you visited is. Urban refugees. Urban refugees. So we were in a refugee camp out right. in the jungle. Yes. Then with stateless people. And now we're going to the city of Bangkok. Yes. Which and is Thank you for the writing that down. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the opposite Everywhere. of remote. Yeah. It's, I think it's a very big city, is it not? It and, is a very big, very crowded city. Yeah. So this was a very interesting project to visit. Have you, I don't think you've, any of us have ever been to a project like that before no usually when we're visiting refugees they're they're in that camp they're in that settlement yeah Yeah. and so this was this was an interesting one because these people they've come from other countries um Mm -hmm. i spoke to a lot of people that had come from pakistan and they were fleeing uh because of religious persecution Mm -hmm. and thailand is a visa on arrival country for pakistani citizens so they come to thailand just to get away Mm -hmm. just for safety Mm Um, and then from there, they can work out the with the UNH, uh, UN High Commissioner of Refugees to see if they're eligible for refugee status. Um, some people are rejected. So it was, it was a, a variety of people that I talked to. Some people were registered refugees. Some people had been applying and for whatever reason, their, their claims had been rejected. And so now they were living in a limbo within the country. Mm. They can't work. They can't do anything. They are just there, um, but they can't go back home because it's in a dangerous. lot of the cases, yeah, in a lot of cases, they could very possibly be killed mm-hmm. if they go back home. Um, and so they're living in apartments throughout the city. Usually like one apartment building will have a number of them within the apartment building, but a lot of the times they're spread out. Mm-hmm. And so usually when I'm visiting these projects, like you said, we go to a camp and we talk to people within that camp. But this one, I was having to take tuk-tuks and taxis and subways mm-hmm. and trains That's and so buses different. to mm-hmm. to get from family to family. Yeah. It was I got to see a lot of Bangkok mm-hmm. and a lot of places that most people don't go in Bangkok. So there's the Bangkok that most tourists will know, which is a fairly tidy, fairly put together city. And then there's other places that aren't so. The mm. other Bangkok. The other Bangkok. And so I was able to talk to families who had had quite the struggle, mm-hmm. um, whether their houses were burned down. There was one, there was a few families that had come from the same community where it wasn't just their house burned down, their entire community was burned down because they were a Christian. Mm. 
and they had lost a lot of friends and and family members church members and so they were being targeted Mm -hmm. and so they they ran um to thailand and now they are living in thailand i met one family that had been in thailand for five years um and their goal is to eventually get a sponsorship that will take them to places like Canada or Australia or mm-hmm. wherever. But while they're in Thailand, they can't work, as I mentioned, and so they have no income. Um, so Adra is working with them to help them pay their rent mm-hmm. um, as well as providing them food mm-hmm. and also other necessities of mm-hmm. life, whether hygiene products or whatever. So. I met a few families and when I asked, oh, where is your father? They would tell me he had been arrested and taken to the immigration detention center. I talked to one family who's the father of the family had been at the detention center for five years. Wow. So the detention center is for anybody that's either overstayed their visa or come in illegally. They get arrested and taken to this detention center. I, I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I just, we had visited these families and they had told me about this detention center and so we decided we should go visit so were you visiting the family's father and husband yeah okay so i had met a few different families who had mentioned that their father or their husband had been arrested okay and sent to the detention center whether he was just walking down the street and stopped by the police Mm -hmm. and said hey show us your paperwork and couldn't produce anything Mm -hmm. or was trying to work or something i don't know the story in all of the cases but they were arrested and sent to the detention center. And so we had decided that we were going to go visit them in the detention center. Mm -hmm. And we asked the families if there was anything they wanted us to bring them. They all made meals and stuff like that. And we also Mm -hmm. went grocery shopping for them and got them a bunch of food and, Mm -hmm. and just supplies for them. And I wasn't sure what to expect. Cause so I'm surprised. So you can bring stuff to them. You can bring okay. stuff to them. So mm-hmm. you can bring them like cash and stuff as well so they can make phone calls. Right. They're allowed okay. one phone call a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect, honestly. Yeah. I've, I've never been to a detention center. I, I guess I had it in my mind that we would go in there and they would bring out the men the, that we were coming yeah. to see and we'd sit down and we'd have a conversation. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get there and we have to wait. It's about two hours to Why? to go in we had to register okay um and they had to check all of the things that we we're bringing there was a set time at 9 45 you can go in and at 10 30 you need to be out mm-hmm. wow that's okay. and time. as we're sitting there more and more people are coming and more and more people are coming more and more people are coming and then next thing i know like there's a lot of people so there it's with like us. a first come first serve it's first then? come first serve they allow they allow wow. 45 people in a day I think it was 9.45 is when I, my time, time was. And mm-hmm. so at that time, you get a slip and you have to hand it in and then give them all of your phones, anything that you have on you that isn't going to them. So they are only allowed food okay. and money. Okay. Wow. They, they check it and they take your passport. And <laughs> that you, always makes me so yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, oh, here we go. Uh, and then, yeah, we, we walk in and what i was met with was just mayhem absolute mayhem i come come around the corner and they have this huge auditorium in the center of this complex and in the middle of this this auditorium is a fence Mm -hmm. and about five ten feet away from that fence is another fence so and between like no man's yeah, yeah. and between that there are soldiers walking oh, okay. or prison guards yeah. and all of the 
the, deten the detainees are on one side of the far fence and everybody that's coming to visit is on the other side of the other fence. And then the soldiers are walking and in between. And the soldiers are walking in between okay. and everybody is just Shout yelling oh, to wow. each other. So wait, is this detention center solely for people who have outstayed their visa or immigration issues yep. or are they... Criminals? Yeah. No, these are these are people that are there. I mean, I guess that's simply because the law, they didn't leave the country when, when they, they should have, have, or they came in when they shouldn't have, or yeah. how they shouldn't yeah. have. Right, yeah. right. And it was it was just crazy. And there are people there from all over the world. <sighs> like wow. I saw every single skin color in that detention center, and it was it was crazy to see. And everybody is just yelling over top of each other, mm -hmm. trying to communicate with the people that they are there to see. And so I'm, I'm there to, to talk to these gentlemen that um, I had met their families. I told them, I, I saw your son, he's this tall now. And I'm like trying to like just let him know. And all they wanted to do was pray for me. What? <laughs> so I'm like, but mm. let me pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> so it... Did you have like a translator to say this? Or no, the, the, these, the gentlemen that I was there to see, they all understood limited English. Some okay. of them knew better English than others. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, they, we were able to converse. Wow. Although In very, of, yeah. very yeah. limitedly because, mm -hmm. of course, you are... It's yeah. Yelling. Yeah, yelling. So were you going in with the expectation of like interviewing them? Yeah. I had I had went in thinking I was going to have a sit down. Oh. We were going to talk yeah. to each other. And when I got there, it was nothing like I had ever imagined. I, yeah. it was, I couldn't imagine being in there. Like yeah. it, it, it was, I felt hopeless for them. Yeah. I've never felt so hopeless for somebody. It was because their, their options mm -hmm. are be deported back to the country that you are fleeing from. Mm hmm or somehow get a sponsor that will agree to take you to another country another country yeah. not within not thailand. within thailand yeah. they they have to leave thailand wow. if if the only way they're getting out of there is if they leave thailand or uh, well if they leave thailand yeah. whether it's back to their country or okay. to a sponsor country wow so these projects michael they they sound like they're doing a lot of good mm -hmm. but it, as with all things it sounds like there's a lot more that needs to be done is yes. there a way that our viewers can help yeah. if they if their hearts are touched and moved to do so yeah all four of the projects that i've met are in our gift catalog this year oh, so okay. if, if you've seen our gift catalog or if you don't know of our gift catalog you can go to adra.ca gifts if you have the gift catalog, there's a number of ways you can help support these projects. There's an item in there this year for refugees, okay, uh, just so a general refugee mm -hmm. fund. And then we've also got an item in there specifically for Keep Girls Safe. Mm -hmm. We've got an item for citizenship. So you can help sponsor one person to get their citizenship. Um, wow. Yep. That's, that's so exciting. this year we've got one uh, that's uh, to help people get their citizenship. Mm. And then we also have another one that will help uh, support a urban refugee mm -hmm. for a month mm, okay awesome. wow. well th thank you michael all of those projects and stories were really moving and it was great to hear them and to hear about what adra is doing in these places especially in these places where there's such small stories on the media maybe they don't even make a blip and yet adra is there and that's really inspiring and i'm i'm very grateful for that all right thanks so much for joining us i'm glad i could share my stories uh, and uh, to share more about the projects that adra has been working on in thailand if you've enjoyed this uh, podcast, this video podcast, you can find more like it on our YouTube page. And if you want to just listen, we are on your favorite podcast app. So check us out there. 
Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,